Welcome to All Things Analytics, a production of the Innovation Podcast Network. Tune in on the third Tuesday of every month for new discussions on the latest data and analytics insights with top experts in all sectors of industry. Now here's our host, Trish McPeak, VP Business Analyst at the Innovation Platform. Welcome and thanks for listening in to another episode of the All Things Analytics Podcast. Today, I have a special guest, Amber Smart. Amber is the founder of Smart Metrics. Amber is a certified Tableau professional helping companies around the world understand their data. She has actually published over 4,000 dashboards during her career, and in 2014 and 15, she was named a Tableau ambassador for her efforts in leading the Oklahoma City Metro Tableau Users Group. Thanks for coming in today, Amber. Thanks for having me. So I kind of like to start off, I know that I just did a little brief bio on you, but I kind of like to start off with everybody telling us what their analytics journey was like. Sure. Well, I actually ended up where I am today a little bit by accident. So I, <laughs> Me too, uh, me too. <laughs> I was a uh, stay-at-home mom with um, two kids, and that's what I wanted to do was be a mom. That was my main goal. And then when they got into elementary school, I was very bored. I thought, well, I, what am I going to do? I want to use my brain. So I actually went to school and got a degree in accounting and then so naturally went into accounting because um, I'm drawn towards numbers, always have been. And so I went to go work for um, a local nonprofit in the finance department, which just seemed like where I would end up. I was there for about a year and the organization was starting a new department called Digerati, which was... um, technology-based, um, dealing with apps. And that was in 2007 when nobody even knew what an app was. <laughs> and so um, obviously I didn't know what I didn't know. And so um, just thought, hey, maybe I can help. This is a great opportunity. So they asked me to go over there. So I did. And what I did was um, work with the team to help them launch one of the very first apps in the app store ever. And so it was the Bible app at the time. And so um, we didn't know what we were doing. So we were building a plane in the air, wore a lot of different hats. Um, I would sit through meetings and people would use words I'd never heard before. So I'd write them (laughs) down and Google them and then act like I knew what I was talking about. Um, So I was with that team for about uh, five years. And during that time, we also decided to foster and adopt a child through the Department of Human Services here in Oklahoma. And we didn't realize what we were getting into with that either. (laughs) So um, it was about the time that he came up for adoption and we chose to adopt him that I chose to step out of that role and into a new role in the organization that was would give me a little bit more margin to do his therapy sessions and that type of thing. So created a new role in the organization, um, just an analyst role back into the finance department. And it was kind of like, what can what can you do here? What can we make of it? And it's when, you know, data was the big thing. Big data was the word. Um, it was about seven years ago. So it was kind of the big thing. And people were like, what can you, what can you do? What can you make of this? And so, um, my first step was to identify where is data within the organization. And so working on the Digerati team helped me understand what it was like to work with developers in the tech industry. So I knew how to, I knew what was involved. Obviously you don't want me building a data warehouse, but <laughs> I knew what, I know what they are. And so, um, 
once I realized, okay, this is all the data we have in the organization, I needed a tool to figure out, okay, now what are we going to do with this information? And that's when I stumbled upon Tableau and just really self-taught um, to figure out how do I use this? How can I leverage it? How can we make the most out of it? And so that role I was in for about five years um, before then stepping out into my own um, company and doing my own thing today. So really none of it was ever intentional. Um, I've just always been a numbers person um, and just followed the opportunities that were honestly just placed before me. Um, grateful for that. I, I just love your story just because that's kind of how, you, I mean, you and I always talk. So um, I didn't want to say anything previously, but Amber was more of a mentor to, to me when I started my journey because I was also kind of self-taught with Tableau and um, we're going to get into next. I want you to talk about your role as being a um, Tableau user group leader because that's where I that's where I met Amber in the Oklahoma City area when I was starting fresh. I was like, man, she really knows what she's doing, or she acts like she's got her stuff together. So let, like, let's connect. Um, and I actually went and shadowed you one day, just kind of saw and printed off some of your dashboards and and took them back. And they were they were actually an inspiration to the organization I was working for then. We kind of mimicked some of them. But I just, I love that story because you and I kind of had that similar, we just, we just got in there and started using it. And the fact that you were a, a stay-at-home mom really speaks volumes to, you know, just get out there and do this. And it's just, it's just the way people think. And so I love that. But um, going back to where we met, can you tell us what it was like to be a Tableau user group leader in the Oklahoma City area and um, then when you were also an ambassador for Tableau? Sure. Again, I kind of stumbled into this uh, role as a user group leader. Um, I started attending the OKC Tableau user group. Oh, it probably had about 10 to 15 people meeting on a regular basis. Mostly I, I needed the community and the connections. Um, I was the only person in the organization using the tool. The t tool was fairly new at that point. And so um, when you're self-taught, you've got to just find connections to help you get through that. There wasn't a whole lot available outside of that. And so I started attending the Oklahoma City Tableau user group and, and noticed, man, there's really an opportunity here um, to grow this because there was only about, like I say, about 10, 10 of us meeting on a regular basis. And so I asked, is there anything I can do to help out um, to grow this because there's great opportunity here? And they were like, actually, yeah, um, would you like to lead it? And I thought, <laughs> um, okay, sure, why not? Um, I might I, like just to help with membership. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like I've never led a user group before and um, why not? Let's just see what's How the worst. How far along on your Tableau journey were you at this point? Probably less than a year in. Oh, okay, wow. And so that was intimidating because I was fearful of leading a group and people asking me questions I didn't know the answer to um, or looking at me thinking I might be the subject matter expert, but realizing then I'm not, you know? And so it was very intimidating. So what I really had to process and talk myself through was Actually, what I'm doing is I'm just facilitating. I'm just providing an environment for people who are smarter than me, people who are further along in the journey to come in and share selfishly so I can learn more than so I can teach these people because I honestly didn't feel like I was in a place. I was very intimidated. So I thought, well, one thing I know I can do is um, I'm, I love communication. I'm a stickler about clear communication, consistent communication. 
Um, and that was one thing that was lacking in the user group. And so I thought, you know, I can do that. And then we can find people to bring in that can share their stories to help others. And at, at one point, I think we had close to about 100 people coming um, at each user group. So it was great. It was great. I learned more out of it selfishly than I gave to it. So, um, yeah, it was a great experience. Yeah, um, we spun on and off in Stillwater because I noticed there wasn't a lot of Stillwater folks coming to that one, but I really enjoyed the Oklahoma City one, so I was like, I'm not going to give this an, an every month you know, event like you guys did because I didn't want to have to give up <laughs> my time because I loved the events in Oklahoma City because the presenters were always just regular old folks like us that just was like, here's what I'm doing in my organization, or hey, I just found this you know new tool or something, and um, it could be something little or it could be something that I sat there and was like, I don't even know what he's saying or she's saying. Um, so it was really helpful. And yeah, I think when I was going, it was, it was up there in the numbers and I think they're still going um, strong today. Yeah, they are. They're doing fantastic today. Yeah. And our works is, is helping lead it up and, um, they're doing great. Yeah. Um, I remember whenever I started running it in Stillwater, I had about a year under my belt and I was just like, also like you, a little intimidated. And so I was like literally trying to find like the biggest fish in the sea to come like help me because in Stillwater it was a little harder to pull from those using it to actually present. Um, especially as like a startup, people are like, what is this tug? I mean, and they loved it. So I literally was like, okay, who wrote the book on Tableau? Let's get them here. You know? Yeah. So I went like real big whenever yeah. I was doing it and and I loved that because everybody got to really learn from some major experts. But the thing that I love about the Oklahoma City one is that it's it literally is as they try to even make it super hands-on so you can truly learn. Or I could walk in there and be like, I'm struggling with this. Can somebody here just fix this for me and walk it through it? So sure. it was a good resource to have. Yeah. So you had mentioned, you know, you've were in analytics and you were building dashboards for an organization and then you um, recently, well, it's been over a year now. Mm -hmm. It's about year almost, and a half. yeah, it's almost, yeah, year and a half. You kind of jumped out and started doing this on your own, um, which a lot of people do, but it's also, I can only imagine the most terrifying thing to do. Um, but what I love about what you get to do now is that in your current role, you get to work with so many different types of organizations, um, which is great. But also, I know that means you also have to work with so many different personalities, so many different leadership types. How do you do it? Like, how does how does one handle that? Yeah. So first, my first advice I tell people, if you're wanting to go out on your own, is unfortunately, you're going to have to burn the midnight oil for a season where you do your current job as well as um, maybe doing some contract work in the evenings. I mean, I, I just, I wasn't in a position where I could just take a financial hiatus where I could be like, if I make something the next year, great. If I don't, great. Like I, I needed to continue, um, to provide. And so, uh, what I did is, like I say, and that's hard, especially when you're a mom and, and you have, um, you know, your kids are needing you in the evening. So I tried to be strategic where it was after they went to bed or um, on the weekends, maybe when they were playing with friends or whatever. I had to be very intentional with my time. So that's what I did. I built up my client base on the side. And when I had it to a point where I thought, and this is, I can maintain this. I mean, it's very, very scary because obviously you think, I think everyone doubts their own ability or they think, um, for some reason, working for someone else feels more secure. 
But the reality of it is nothing is guaranteed. And so I thought, you know, I'm, I'm just going to do this. Um, I had went through some very painful things personally in my marriage that also um, really brought me to a place of, of trying to assess what do I value? What do I want to do with my life? Where do I want to spend my time? And then also just going through that, um, going through some therapy with, you know, trying to process everything that had happened, it really helped me um, build my confidence as well. Um, I know being a female in a male-dominated industry um, is very difficult. And um, everywhere I go, I always feel like one of these is not like the other. You know, mm -hmm. it's there's mm -hmm. very few women in, in the industry of what we do. And so... Um, I had to get past that. Um, that still will bother me sometimes. I don't, it's odd. Yeah, I don't get it. Um, I don't know what an analyst is supposed to look like, but apparently I don't look like one. Um, and I get that all the time. People are just shocked and they actually don't believe I am who I am, yeah. even when they're in my organization here for a meeting. And so I, again, I don't know what I'm supposed to look like, but apparently I don't fit that. <laughs> Same here. It's, it's the weirdest thing. And I, um, I don't understand that dynamic. So my ultimate goal would someday have a full team of female analysts. I think it would be phenomenal to walk into a business as a team of like 10 women. I just, um, you know, I just think it's great. And, and honestly, women are fantastic analysts. Um, because we communicate. Yeah. I mean, I really truly think that you were talking about that earlier, about how you took on the Tableau user group because you knew clear, you know, communication was the key. And I think that's the number one key for analysts is you've got to be able to communicate. So, I mean, besides the joke that females probably do communicate better, I mean, I'm kind of being serious. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's too, it's, um, I think too, um, on it, I mean, and I'll say this, but there is data to prove it. Women are better leaders and there's data that will actually you know, back that up. So I'm not trying, I'm, I'm, I'm a both and type person. I think we need both men and women. I don't think it should be one or the other. Um, but I think, um, women are, are a lot of times overlooked. Um, and a lot of them are fantastic leaders. Um, women tend to have, like say the communication style as well as just the leadership of, of learning how to navigate difficult conversations and situations. And when you're an analyst, you've got to have some emotional intelligence because um, you're a lot of times um, you're the person on the other side, the user is either going to be intimidated or scared. Um, they're fearful of what the information is going to communicate. Um, and a lot of it depends on your company culture as well. And so you've got to know how to navigate that versus just being like, here's the data and walking away. If that makes sense. Right. And so there's got to be some emotional intelligence involved, I think, to be super effective. Yeah, no, I, I completely, completely agree with everything that you said there. And um, what I love is that when you, since we're talking about female leaders, I think a lot of females think they can only be a leader or they can only be a mom. Like, I don't think that, I think too many of us struggle with, do I go the career path or do I go, you know, putting my kids first and being a mother? And I love your story because, I mean, from this, the get-go of this, you've explained you've never picked. You've always been both and that you've just had to organize, you know, your priorities and um, really take a step back and look and say, what am I, what do I value here? But I, I love that you kind of are a success story of that, of like, you don't, you never picked, you, you were always both. 
Well, I think too, it's understanding when you're a mom that there's seasons to being a mom. So when my kids were little, I needed flexibility. I needed, if one of them was sick, I needed the ability to, to, so that might've cost me in my salary, Mm -hmm. you know? And then, um, as they got a little bit older, um, I no longer need that flexibility. They drive themselves. They're self-sufficient. So weird. I'm not looking forward to that day. (laughs) It's like both like great and horrible all at the same time. Um, yeah, so they're self-sufficient. They don't, I can, I can travel, you know? So it's like, in this season, I don't need the flexibility. So I can travel. I can get a higher salary. And that's because that's what I value and that's what my family needs in this season. So I think looking back, I wish I would have not maybe have felt so frustrated or felt like I had to figure it out or choose one or the other. I just had to sit and go, okay, in this season, considering the age of my children, what opportunities I have before me, what do I value? Mm-hmm. And once I've identified what I value, I need flexibility. I need to go pick them up, be able to go pick them up from school, or I need to be able to go to their sporting events, or I want to do this one thing as home mom, whatever. Um, that's what I knew. That's what I valued, but I knew there was going to be a cost. Mm-hmm. And so I had to be okay with that, knowing that now that they're older, I can travel. I can be gone a week and nobody really misses me. Like, like <laughs> they're okay. Um, and so it's, you know, of course, when I look back, there's things I wish I would have done differently. I mean, we all do that. Um, being mom is hard. I also think I was able to successfully navigate it because I have a really great and supportive husband. Um, he isn't afraid to do laundry. He's not afraid to do dishes. He actually does like all of the cooking. I mean, he's just so... Mine did before we got married, if that counts. (laughs) (laughs) Then it all changes. Um, Yeah, so, um, but like I say, we had a rough patch in our marriage where we didn't think we were going to make it. So I'm not saying it's all, um, it's all, you know, roses and and unicorns. Um, It was very difficult. We had to fight very hard for what we have today. Um, But... um, it's just, it's something you just have to navigate and it's seasonal and that's okay. Um, and you'll make mistakes and the thing I've learned and thankful for, our kids are extremely resilient and understanding. And, and more than anything, I wanted to be an example to my daughter of like, you know, if there's something you want to go accomplish, go accomplish it. I mean, we have a lot of leadership discussions and we have a lot of, you know, don't be afraid to go out there. And if you're walking into a room full of men, that is Okay. Um, that is what a lot of my day looks like. And, right. and this is how you can kind of navigate those awkward situations and use humor and that type of thing. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. maybe that's why I joke all the time. Yeah, <laughs> probably so. Um, so whether it's working in an environment where you work, where you're different organizations, I mean, you could be working with what, three or four at a different, I mean, at the same given time, or if someone is actually in one organization, they're still working with different types of personalities or leaders because it's different maybe departments. And we all know that a lot of times there's a lot of silos, so that's even harder. Um, Can you give some advice of how to maneuver from one project to another when they're going at the same time? And they're like maybe on the different end of the spectrum. Absolutely. So I have clients, um, well, and I always say when you're dealing with analytics, you, there's two part components that play. There's the cultural aspect and then there's the expertise. So you can have great expertise and a terrible culture and your analytics is going to suffer, or you can have a great culture and terrible expertise and your analytics culture is going to suffer. But if both of those are in a good place, um, magic really can, can happen. 
Um, so I'll have some clients that move at extremely rapid pace. I mean, it's insane how quick. And then I've got other clients, it will literally take them three weeks to make a decision on something. And so um, that was honestly the weirdest part of going into consulting full-time was um, trying to adjust to the different cultures and not not become frustrated. It was just different. It wasn't bad. It was just different. And so I had to, I would walk out of a meeting thinking, well, if I was leading that, I would have led that differently, but I'm not. And so it's more of like, well, I'm just going to meet them where they are. And if they want to take three weeks to make this decision, that is it. At first it almost felt like I wasn't as effective, mm-hmm. but I had to step back and go, this isn't about me. This is about me meeting them where they are. And this is how they operate. And so and fortunately, as a consultant, at the end of the day, you get to walk away. It's not like you work for them. Right. So um, at some point, that relationship will typically come to an end once you've got them up and running. Um, but it is very, very unusual. It's very different. It kind of caught me off guard at first about how different. Because, I mean, I'm working with a pharmaceutical company. I'm working with a bank. I'm working with a credit union. I'm working with um, like a an auditing firm, um, churches. I mean, they're all just, they're very different. Mm -hmm. And some of them I'm working directly with men. Some of them I'm working with women, um, different parts of the world. So you've got that cultural aspect of it is different. Um, so really it comes down to, in my opinion, is be you (laughs) and, um, just meet your users where they're at and be accepting of where they're at and, and try to influence them as much as you can in the positive direction, but don't become frustrated by them. Um, because I would sometimes find myself frustrated and thinking, okay, wait, I've got to step back for a second. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question. I mean, I think that I'd be a lot like you and have to take a lot of steps back because we're both very high energy, high performers. Um, and so when people do take it a little bit slower, I do feel like that would be where I'd be like, oh, okay, hold on. This isn't personal or, you know, yeah. like, how do I help them? Because, um, you know, it's just a part of our, our nature when you're a high performer like that. I've got to know you over the past several years, and I know that you're really passionate about leadership. And we actually had a conversation, I don't know, a couple months ago, we sat down at lunch, and and you were telling how you've kind of even reached more into that passion for leadership. I want you to talk about what you've been doing with that, and then um, I want you to tie it back to analytics, because one thing about this podcast that I always said is I want it to be leadership-focused. So I think that you're one of the perfect candidates for it, because you live and breathe analytics, and it's your it's your job, but you have this such a strong passion for leadership, where that came from and what you've been doing with it. Sure. The reason I am passionate about leadership is because the role of analytics is very, very powerful and influential today. Um, and if it's not, if it's not handled or facilitated or executed in a healthy way, it can be very confusing and detrimental to the people that you're interacting with, if that makes sense. So um, if I'm if if the role of data today is much more influential than 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. So if I'm walking into a meeting and people know that um, I've got data which in a lot of cultures and organizations is going to equal power, or people in power are coming to me for data to support the movement that they're trying to create or 
the problem that they're trying to solve. Um, the way that I show up in that situation is extremely important. Um, I, a lot of trust is involved. If I communicate or relay inaccurate information and they make a decision based off of that and it ends up being a disaster, um, that is not going to end well for anyone. And so um, I understand because there's so much influence in what I do and in what I'm providing, the service that I'm providing, I've got to make sure that I'm in a good place and that I'm leading myself well in that scenario. And I'm also leading the efforts of that data movement well, because it's there's too much at stake. Um, so I get passionate about leadership. To me, leadership is about how I apply myself to a situation. So, and how I show up. If I know that um, I'm dealing with, um, I'm relaying information that possibly has um, the impact to shut down a department or call out a department or maybe even bring to light an area of the organization that is not doing well, but everyone thinks is doing well, um, I understand that I've got to handle that in a very delicate, professional <laughs> way, because if I don't, um, it could be disastrous. So what I've been doing is I actually went and got certified, and it's called Mastering Leadership. And the reason I like it so much is because it talks about uh, conscious leadership, like what's happening inside of you that you're not even realize, you're not even aware is happening as you lead and interact. And a lot of that is as a leader, I can either show up creatively or I can show up, show up reactively. And if I show up reactively, I'm actually going to have negative impact. Like I'm, I'm not gonna be as influential as I could be. Right. And so for me, it's like, well, I wanted to get down to how can I show up creatively like 99% of the time? And then so going through and becoming certified to facilitate, to help others go through this process, I had to go through the process and I learned so much about myself and my own natural tendencies. If I'm in a situation where I feel intimidated or uncomfortable, my reactive tendency is distance. So I'll have a tendency to get quiet and reserved and kind of go into my head which then can communicate the communicate a vibe to those around me that I'm aloof or I don't care or I'm checked out when the reality is I'm anything but I'm I'm very much present it just will appear that I'm not and so I realize just even that if I'm relaying information or helping an organization make a very difficult decision and I appear aloof or checked out that's going to have a huge impact on that interaction and how they utilize all this information and energy that I've put into helping them. Mm -hmm. So it's okay. I've got to step back and make sure it's more of like getting out of my head and into my body of like, okay, what's going on? And if I'm feeling insecure, or overwhelmed, am I doing this? And if I'm doing this, I've got to get out of my head and catch myself doing that and, 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 change my pattern of behavior and, and make sure I'm engaging in conversation, making sure I'm aware of my body language and, and that type of thing to be more effective. And so honestly, it all birthed out of, wow, I've got a lot of power right here, right now. And whatever I'm getting ready to communicate could cause people to lose their jobs. That was a very heavy kind of scary position to be put in. And then, you know, I have the fear of, well, what if, you know, I'm double checking, triple checking my information because <laughs> I'm like, always, because yeah. it's like, 
And honestly, if you're if you're ornery enough, you can slice and dice data to tell whatever story you want it to tell. If absolutely, you're I mean that's enough. kind of anything you can find what you're looking for. Sure, I mean I think like Enron and those type of mm-hmm. stories. You know, you think of well, they can communicate whatever they want to communicate. So for me, it's like oh, I want the truth, you know, and I want to figure out okay, what is reality, what is the truth, and then I've got to make sure that I've. I've confirmed that that is the story that the data is telling. And then how do I communicate that in a way that um, builds trust and mutual respect and, and, and they can actually make good choices and decisions based out of that, um, that influence that's there. Cause it's pretty strong. Yeah. And that is something so hard to master that, that piece, but understanding yourself and understanding what needs to change is a huge step forward. I mean, I constantly am in battle with myself because I don't understand what needs to change sometimes before I need to change it. It'll all, you know, present or something will happen. And then it's like the next day or something that I'm like, why are these people reacting this way? Oh, this is what I did. And I can see it in myself. So I'm glad that I can see that in myself and that I, I know those faults or I know how to manipulate it. But I would say mastering that is really hard because being present in that moment or before that moment happens and kind of understanding, getting inside your body and figuring out, you know, what you need to change before is, is very difficult. It is. It's very difficult. And I always have, um, it's just such an awful feeling when I refer to it as like, you know, like my false self or my shadow self. It's like once, once I see it or I walk out of a meeting and I, I'm like a partner or colleague will point it out to me that I did that. Oh, it just, it's so frustrating and it's um it's worse when they don't even point it out and you and you you realize it realize it yeah it's just it's so bad but you've got to understand like we all have that we all have weak areas we all have reactive tendencies and it's you know being able to address it and identify it while you're in the game is a plus you know Mm -hmm. I mean it's it's it is there but it's extremely difficult and I don't know that it ever goes away or gets easier right I mean 80% of it is awareness right it's like oh I do do that like that's usually like once you become aware of that 80% of the problem is resolved but I'll still catch myself doing it and it usually always comes back down to an insecurity of mine that was poked or challenged in that scenario. Yeah, I mean, that's spot on. It's so difficult. And in in doing analytics, it's even harder because we've talked about, like, the two things you need for it to be successful. And, I mean, one bad meeting can put you as a negative leader in somebody's eyes, and it's really hard to flip that in in their perspective. So it's almost career damaging Mm -hmm. if you get that way in an organization, even though you're like, I know I'm not like this. I know I can do better. I know that I'm, we would be great together. We can work great together. But once that decision is made, it's almost hard to, to flip it. Yeah. And when you're doing analytics, it's so important for those relationships to be strong. And so I actually talked about change and adoption. And I said, sometimes the best thing you can do for yourself or an organization is, is you need to leave. And it allows that organization to have the opportunity to really reflect on things and hire somebody else. And then it also allows you to reflect on things and it's not the organization's fault and it's not yours, but it's, it's just what we're talking about. It's that leadership piece and, 
and, and knowing it. And, I, and I've seen it happen in my own careers. I've seen it in other people's. I mean, you, their personality is not what the organization thinks it is. And for some reason, it got there. Yeah. Well, there's a book out there. Um, I think it's called The Dip. And it talks about how if someone walks into an organization in a particular role, a lot of times they'll never be seen by those around them beyond that role, even if they move up, simply because that's how like we met you. And so that's Uh just kind of the framework of how we know you. Um, So there's that limitation. And there is a time when you need to know that in order for you to grow and excel, you're going to have to move on to another organization. Um, and I think that's okay. Like, I don't think there's an yeah. expectation. I mean, it's hard. And then you wonder yes. what that relationship's like after you leave, but yeah, it, it's perfectly fine. It's just in that moment, it's not so easy. Yeah, no, it is very difficult. And, and I think in, in doing and in being in an influential position in the organization, that makes it extremely difficult as well, because you're like a, a main player of, right. of how things are running. So, right. Well, I want to talk about the Tableau Conference because it's only a few months away. Sure. Um, my first experience, you were there with me, and thank goodness. I mean, literally, like, my phone would run low, and you're like, you didn't bring a battery charger. Like, here you go. Like, I mean, like, it was just everything I needed. But what I loved about going with you, because you had been a few years at that point, too, um, was all of your your guidance and, like, one – I never, like, pre-registered for a session because every conference I've been to, you just go to the session and you're in. Yeah. Tableau is completely different. I mean, you're waiting 45 minutes in a line outside the door before it even opens, just praying that you get in. Right. Um, you know, the Iron Biz competition. There's just so many little things that you were able to, like, hey, you need to check this out. You need to do this. You need to do that. So I want you to kind of give your overview of the Tableau conference and then things people shouldn't miss because it's coming up in November. And if people have one before, they maybe they still don't even know everything that yeah. you're going to give them. Yeah. No, um, I say the Tableau conference is the best conference, hands down, <laughs> in the industry of any conference. Um, they do such a great job at feeding you well, um, quality of speakers, quality, like the variety of topics. Um, the thing that I will say is it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's overwhelming. Um, the good thing is, is they record everything. So even if there's something you can't get to or you're not able to get to, they record it and you get access to that within like a week or two after the conference. Um, but yes, it is a lot. You're going to feel overwhelmed. You will definitely want to see the Iron Biz. Um, mm-hmm. That is fantastic because it's just like, amazing that people can do things you think you're really awesome until you see them and you're like they pull that together in 20 minutes you know (laughs) wow they're amazing and so really what I tell people is look through um the catalog of, of what's available whatever they call it before identify some like definite I don't want to miss like I want to do this with the understanding that there is a possibility that there will not be space for you to get into the room um but if you can identify like maybe one in the morning, one in the afternoon that, that are non-negotiable. I don't want to miss so that maybe you even get to them a little bit early so you can get in line. And then the rest, I remember, I remember going to a session I wanted to go to. There wasn't, we couldn't get in. So I ended up in some other little session that there was only a few people in and it really wasn't like, you know, super interesting or I wouldn't have necessarily ever picked it, but it still was cool to hear their story. So you hear a lot of customer stories. So really you've got to figure out Am I there to hone and learn a skill set? Am I there to hear other success stories? Am I there to 
actually, you know, physically see somebody build out calculation. There's hands-on workshops, there's all that. So I would just encourage people to say at, at the end of this, what would I need to walk away with to feel like this was worth my time? Because there's something that you're going to walk away with. There like is. there's so many different options and opportunities. So, so I mean like anything, I'm talking about people that aren't even the ones that build the dashboard. There's still something there for you. Yep. So if you're a business leader and you're not actually building, but you lead a team that builds, there are so many, um, industry specific workshops that will say, this is how we rolled this out. It's not technical in nature at all. It's right. simply, you know, this is how we led this effort. So there is, I, w- I would say, don't just show up and think I'm just going to go to whatever because you will be so overwhelmed. I mean, there's hundreds. I, I'm, I don't even know how many there are this year, but I mean, one year it was like four or 500, 600 sessions or something. So you can't just show up and think, well, I'll just wander around and end up where I end up. Try to think of a few things that you definitely don't want to miss. Be intentional about getting to those rooms. If you can register for them, do. Some of them you can. Mm-hmm. Some of them you can't register. It's first come, first serve. So just maybe get there like 15 minutes before it's supposed to start and get in line, that type of thing. Um, but you don't have to worry about food. You won't have to worry about any, like everywhere you turn, there is a case of food or salads or sandwiches or drinks or snacks. I mean, they <laughs> kill it when it comes to that. Right. And they actually do like to have a lot of fun. So in the evenings, there'll be some fun stuff to go to, right. but you will leave um, completely exhausted. Yeah. It's funny because I think everywhere I worked, I've always just worn kind of what I'm wearing now, like a dress and hills and everything. And where you came from previously, it wasn't the case. And so like, that was the number one thing you told me. You were like, Hey, jeans and tennis shoes, like you're going to want to wear t-shirt. If you don't, you almost don't fit in. If you like aren't wearing like jeans, t-shirt and tennis shoes. And it's, and it's so true because you're, you literally are running. It's so big. Um, you are running from place to place and, and you may have sessions. You literally sprint from one to get to the other. So yes, comfortable shoes. But I mean, you'll be sprinting and then someone will be like, Hey, come get in this crazy picture. And you're like, I'm trying to go. So there's stuff happening all around. Um, the exhibit hall is magnificent. Um, you can learn a lot just being in there. I also love that they have like huge TV screens all over the place. So when they have the key speakers, you can be in there and do that, which I know that you did that some, I always try to be in the main conference because I think that's just my nature of every other conference I've been to, you have to be here. And then I like slowly realize like they have all this other stuff going on and they, they incorporate it. Um, one other thing that you had me go to is a lot of times they have the developers on the stage. Yeah. The developers on stage is great too. Is great. Except for you're like then waiting for whatever they talked about to get, to yes. get released, you're like, yeah. okay, but we've already talked about that. Like now, is it is it real? Because yeah. you sh- you physically showed me it, so I know it's capable yeah. of doing this. And I need this right now. <laughs> right, yeah. right. And it's so funny when the developers get on stage and they say something, and the whole audience is just like starts clapping, clapping. because they've just had like the roughest time. And they're like, you just solved it. Yeah. Um. So that's something that I I highly suggest for people, but. Yeah, and it's so inspirational watching the developers get on stage because that would be terrifying. Because that's not their norm. That's not their And they norm. kind of say that too. Like, <laughs> I don't even like to give a public speech yeah. or something. And some of them just, they're hilarious. They're hilarious. Some of them just knock it out of the park and they're like, seriously, you've never done this before, you know. And then some you can kind of tell. But yeah, like there's there's no way showing it in front of that many people um, and a live demo. We and all know how demo. that goes. <laughs> um, so and it's just, it's just flawless every yeah. time. Yeah. And their, their keynote speakers, 
Um, some I've, I've disagreed with or I don't like their theory on things, but they're still so spectacular. I mean, they, 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 they make you think. Even if you don't agree with them, they still make you think. So, yeah, I would say it's probably the best conference I've ever been to, but there's just so much that, I mean, I think it's like the third week or between the second and third week of November. Um, you definitely, like my first year, it was in October, and I think I signed up like the second week of October. They were like... Oh, yeah hey, you're going to this conference, and I was so excited, but then, like, I was just like, you, you just can't prepare for it in that time. Yeah. Um, luckily, I had you and a couple, a couple <laughs> others to kind of navigate through, but yeah, it's just like, yeah. are we going to dinner? You didn't grab a sandwich? Like, yeah. <laughs> a million like you don't food. have to worry about any of that. And yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. So, yeah, highly recommend it. So you have given presentations, um, You've been on videos with Tableau before at their conference. You've given speeches. You've given lectures. I mean, you've been at schools. You've done pretty much the whole broad spectrum of ways to get in front of people and communicate with them about analytics and everything like that. What is your one piece of advice that you have for someone that's beginning or someone that's been doing it forever? Like, what's your your one takeaway that you would always want someone to know? That we're all terrified. <laughs> I... And I think, too, in, in our industry, it's probably pretty common for most analysts to potentially be introverted. I know you're not introverted, and there's a lot of <laughs> analysts who aren't. See, but, I just don't fit whatever that, whatever that category is. <laughs> yes. And so I am introverted, and so um, talking in front of groups of people um, is nerve-wracking, and I think it just takes time and practice. But um, Hey, it takes time and practice even when you're like me an extrovert like it I mean we still we just will laugh it off if we're like literally embarrassing ourselves at that moment <laughs> yeah yeah it's a uh, it's very intimidating so um I think it's um don't downplay don't downplay what you do or minimize what you've learned or what you know um obviously you, you don't want to be like super arrogant and have a huge ego about it but at the same time it's I remember going to different either user group meetings or sessions or whatever. And maybe it's someone showed me how to do one thing that might seem kind of small in nature, mm -hmm. but it really like changed everything for me. It was like, I didn't realize you could do that. That I actually is going to save me so much time. So it's usually those little bits of wisdom or learnings that you share that are the most impactful versus feeling like I have to go in and, and be this like amazing, like spectacular show of something big. Like it's usually not that that's most powerful. It's like, I'm just going to share how I do things and, and not worry necessarily if it's the right or wrong way. There's always going to be someone who does it different than you. Yeah. There, that's the case with Tableau is, I mean, there's multiple ways to get to the same end end result. Absolutely. It's just sometimes people show you and you're like, oh, that was one step and mine's 15. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I didn't, or I, like, I didn't even know. I still, every day will learn something that I was like, I didn't know Tableau could do that. And it's been there since, you know, the last two years. I wouldn't say this is me learning something, but literally probably 15 minutes before we started this podcast, I had to change, this is going to sound really ridiculous. I had to change the color of my worksheet, the background color of my worksheet. And I was sitting there like, how do I do that again? <laughs> well, they just changed like, it. Well, yeah. it just got so good. I was just like, oh my God, this is the stupidest thing. And they're all in there like, what is wrong with you? Because I'm just like having a heyday like this. I feel so stupid. Like, why can't I and then I like clicked it. I'm like, oh, that's worse. That's that. But I mean, like, it's just little things because there's just so much, so much you can do. And 
sometimes you forget your basics because you get so far advanced into what you're doing that you're like not really going back to the basics, you know, and the marks cards aren't where you change things anymore as much as, you know, others. So yeah, I love that. We're all terrified because I mean, in that moment, I was just like, how am I going to tell somebody, well, I can't do this. (laughs) I don't know how. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think too, it's, you know, look for those opportunities to share like either at a school or, um, even with different companies, because you're just, just look at it as building connections and relationships mm-hmm. too. Um, we're all trying to figure this out. You know, nobody's got it all figured out. And so, um, same with the user group, I would try to share something complex and then I would try to share something really simple so that it's like, you know, like hopefully they'll walk away with something. And if at the end of the day, it's just a relational connection, that's still huge. So, um, I say, you know, don't, you know, I think we all kind of feel that um, imposter syndrome maybe might be part of the word. The other mar- might be, I feel like I need to be an expert at this before I share anything. And that is definitely not the case because I don't know anybody out there, even those that are highly respected in the industry, um, still don't know everything, you know, and there's so many sweet spots within analytics. Mm-hmm. Like you might be really great at the data viz part and then somebody else might be really great like at the um, writing really crazy complex queries that make it easy for you mm-hmm. to visualize that part and then somebody else might be fantastic at building like the perfect data warehouse you know and somebody else is really great at etl i mean there's so many different layers mm-hmm. to analytics it's like kind of figuring out what is your sweet spot what right. value do you bring to the table and, and focus on that that's right. the way i look at it well that's that's spot on well, I appreciate you coming in. Oh, um, thank you. I really feel like all the listeners are going to get such a such such great information from this because we've kind of covered so much, and I think that just speaks to your journey because you've covered so much. And um, I love that you want to empower females, and that hopefully this does get there out to out there to females because there's just there is a need for more females to start doing this. And I also think just speaking to that audience of um, stay at home moms. I mean, cause this is a job that you can literally stay at home and work and do this. There's mm-hmm. it, it's almost all organizations going to that mm-hmm. because of the, the nature of what we do. Yeah. Um, so it's almost maybe in a couple of years we'll see on Facebook, like you want to stay home and make money. Like <laughs> <laughs> the new one will be join analytics. <laughs> But but I do appreciate you coming in and kind of sharing your story, and um, I'm excited for everybody to get to learn from it, and I wish you the best on your adventure out there. Uh, It's been a year and a half, and I know that you're just rocking it, so that's inspiring because, like I said, it would be a scary jump to to take. Yeah, it is, and I really appreciate the opportunity to share my story. Some of it's kind of crazy and um, just appreciative of people like you and the industry, and, and and hear me, I'm not for, like, you know, all women in the industry, I just think it needs to be both and, and I'm excited. I love when I can make a connection with another female leader in the industry because we're rare. So I appreciate the relationship and the connection. So thank you. Well, thanks for listening guys and tune in in two weeks for your next podcast. Do you need advice in taking the next steps in analytics or want to share your data journey with the all things analytics team? then reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or Instagram at IPSmartBuzz. Or by filling out the listener feedback form at globalinnovationpodcast.com. 
And if you like our show, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.